Oh, well, he'll grow up sometime. But at 15, 15, 15... joined by Dan Weird. Hey Dan. Hi. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, not bad. Knackered. What's that? Jet lagged. Wow. I thought you only got jet lag if you come one way or the other. What, trying to say I'm bi? We're doing this on uh, Zoom again, so apologies for the horrendous quality. I look ginger. I've been using some sort of vegan hair product. Welcome to my world. Oh yeah, ginger beard. Well, that's a Scottish in you. That's what I say to the girls. <laughs> okay, so I think the first two weeks I've done a bad job of explaining what this podcast is. So I think it's only fair to let you have a go. Do you want to take the stage? The basis of 15 is we take a selection of film off Netflix through various categories. They could be classics, they could be top trending, they could be things we really should have seen. We watch the first 15 minutes so that you don't have to. And we recommend those films for you or not, as is the case this week. Have I said too much? (laughs) That's perfect. Great. I think they get it. Should we get on with it then? Let's do that. Uh, Just one quick thing. So obviously, since we've started sort of this podcast, we've been giving it out to a few people. And I got one of those people to write in their favourite 15 minutes. But I wonder if you can guess what the film is from their uh, email they sent him. If you want to send in anything like this as well, we either want your best or worst opening 15 minutes to a film. If it's funny enough we'll, uh, or interesting enough, we'll, we'll read it out. This is neither a Jasmine, but um, it's the only one we've got. So It's neither a Jasmine? No, it's neither funny nor good, but it's the only one we've got, so we'll use it. Why? What's Jasmine? Is that who's by? Yes. <laughs> Jasmine! <laughs> this is neither a Keith. <laughs> is it a laddie by any chance? <laughs> Go on, go on. It's not Aladdin, is it? No, it's not. So she puts, I love the opening of blank because it's so charming with that fairy tale opening, but then it brilliantly subverts it back to a core sense of humour. It also pokes fun at Disney, uh, clearly DreamWorks, cheeky of them. Uh, Great song slash soundtrack. It touches the heartstrings quite early on. We kind of see loneliness and isolation, so it's kind of playing with the audience, Uh, but it plays around with our expectations place where our understanding of the tradition of fairy tale stories is funny and it perfectly sets up the tone of the movie as it goes on as he goes on his fated quest i love the idea of simon mayo getting correspondence (laughs) paraphrasing the shit out of it (laughs) (laughs) she likes the show (laughs) all right thanks michelle right that's time for the news half past six (laughs) we've got the travel Apparently there's a crash on the road or something. All right, okay, next song. Something about <laughs> hell might not be. Might be back into hell. I'm not sure. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
and it set, perfectly sets the tone of the movie up as it goes off on the fated quest. And that is why I love Blank. Blankety Blank. Hit game show. Hey. <laughs> hey. Sounds like it's Shrek, right? It is Shrek. I feel like uh, Jasmine's angling for a job. That was way more succinct and uh, eloquent than our reviews. Yeah, it was. It was good. Yeah, Shrek's great, obviously. Good pick. Uh, Shrek 2's better, though. No. Yeah. It's good. I rewatched Shrek 2 about a month ago. I rewatched the whole whole series because I was used to be a believer that I liked Shrek 3 and I thought Shrek 4 was terrible. And I've come to realise that was a very silly mistake and Shrek 3 should be ignored and written out of the history. And actually Shrek 4 is quite good. It's not quite good. It's all right. Oh, no. Shrek 3 and 4 are bad. Yeah, but it's all right. If you take it out, if you take 3 out and just going to go, it just kind of follows the classic trajectory of good, okay, bad. What? 2 is amazing. No, two is amazing. I'm not no, but I'm just saying that kind of trajectory. But one is fantastic, two is great, yeah, and three is just or four is just okay. I I, I, can't, I don't know why you're not going with that. Two's better. It's not. I mean, it has got better parts, oh. but overall, it's not. Look out the wall! Quick, tell a lie. Well, uh, what should I say? Anything, but quick. Say something crazy, like I'm wearing ladies' underwear. I'm, I, uh, wearing ladies' underwear. Are you? I most certainly am not. It looks like you most certainly am all. I am not. What kind? It's a thong! But you're battling John Lithgow against Jennifer Saunders. That's a celebrity boxing match you want to see. Yeah, it is. Anyway, thanks, Jasmine, for the uh, correspondence. Is the Aladdin princess, is it Jasmine or Yasmin? Depends if she stubbed her foot or not, Jasmine. Jasmine! <laughs> I feel like I'd be doing you a favour sometimes if I didn't laugh at some joke. <laughs> but you um, always will. Uh, if anybody else would like to get in touch, then please do. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can tweet Luke. Uh, Luke, what's your Twitter handle? Luke Coddy. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Could have guessed that one, Dad. Could have swiped it at least. <laughs> Christ almighty. Or you can email us at therestisnoise.uk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks very much. So, Dan, last week we watched three films. We each had to pick one of them and take them home. You watched Divergent. I did. Tell me about it. Yeah, it hooked me a little bit, this film. It's ridden off the back of that Hunger Games, and it's all about a young girl whose identity she's trying to discover. And I quite enjoyed it. They kind of forced a little bit of a romance plot on, but I kind of went along with it. And actually, I really enjoyed the first one. Second and the third one became very quickly Hunger Games storyline, or all of these kind of generic teeny franchises movies. But it did kind of have a few different things. They kind of used science quite a lot in it, and I think the science was a little bit liberal at times, but ultimately I quite enjoyed it. So, yeah, I didn't mind watching Divergent. What about you? You had Dirty Grandpa. Yeah, Dirty Grandpa. My God. So we actually said it started relatively well, but it was awful, Dan. Like, it it took me about half an hour to realise that no one acts or talks like an actual human being. Like, it's just non-stop bonkers. Yeah. So I also watched Dirty Grandpa. Ridiculous. We were discussing Nero outside of this a little while ago. And we were saying he's, he's had a bit of a renaissance recently in the Joker, um, but also the Irishman. And we were <laughs> messing around when we were saying maybe it was this film that shook him up enough to realise that maybe he shouldn't just be cashing in on the De Niro name and should actually kind of work for it a little bit. He says the N-word twice in this film, then. 
Yeah, it's mental. To be fair to him, though, in his defence, he did genuinely throw himself into this. And to be honest, I did believe he was an ex-Marine or SAS or Special Commando, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he did complain that with well. It's just, what's an 80-year-old geriatric commando doing beating a shit out of kids? It was some good bits. It was occasional laughs. Adam Powey was great. He played the cousin. He, he had all the best lines. What, what I always think of is, why do they always make the you know the wife to be who's horrible so two dimensional. When he says he can't marry her at the end, she would be distraught. But instead, she gets the cousin to finger her. Yeah, yeah. That's just not how people behave. You're absolutely right that people don't act in that way. No, nothing's real. And the biggest problem I had with the film was a lot of people use the word offensive for the film, and right. I don't think it's offensive in the fact that I don't think it's too vulgar. I just think it it goes after the taboo sections for jokes and a lot of comedy finds itself in that realm of taboo and it kind of it yeah. gently tiptoes on that tightrope and just stays on the right line of it this film actually did manage to stay on the tightrope because it didn't say anything novel anything original nothing new and it was just boring when it went up near those taboos and just because you set a joke within a taboo doesn't mean that joke's like oh dangerous you still mm-hmm. have to go there or say something unique about the subject that no one's ever thought before and this film has nothing novel about it whatsoever so that never materialized also what is zach efron doing in this film like, i was zach efron's agent like even his agent is pushing him into these films or oh, this agent is smacking his head against the window because zach efron can act like he genuinely can yeah but he is just sitting yeah. there doing films about basically films where people make jokes about getting erections just crap films this isn't like a jealousy thing but he always takes his clothes off and yeah okay he's got a good body if you diet in gym you can just attain that surely there's got to be something more to your movies than that isn't there i think it was out in john uh, he was playing his new material at a gig and he said to the audience just stick with it and we'll get to the greatest hits in a moment you know it's that kind of thing you've, you've got to play your greatest hits whenever you can so what the hell has that got to yeah, do yeah no, no i just feel like <laughs> you know i'm saying no, I'm saying Zac Efron, his body is his greatest hits. Okay, I thought it was quite good. Do you know that would have been a good joke if you did it about a woman and said, oh, sorry, greatest hits, I mean greatest tits. That is funny. That is <laughs> better. All right. Anyway, Dirty Grandpa was bad. That is the summary. Yes, it don't watch it. was not very good. Do not watch that film. <laughs> right, shall we talk about the first film? So we've got... Love Wedding Repeat was number six when we looked on Netflix today. It was trending. Different versions of the same day unfold as Jack juggles difficult guests, unbridled chaos, and potential romance at his sister's wedding. <laughs> so uh, I quite like the opening. It had a really nice song. It was like a almost like Greek myth kind of vibe with this kind of star constellation. Then Judy Dench, gotta love Judy. She comes in narrating. I'm glad to stop you there, Dan, because apparently it's oh. not Judy Dench. What? I did some research on this. Apparently, it's someone called Penny Ryder, and she yeah, is an impression Judy artist Dench. like me. And she is Judy Dench's close friend. Oh, that's a great piece of trivia. So you might have liked it, Dan. I didn't. Oh no, I hated the film. <laughs> I just like the opening. <laughs> I'll start it off. I've got a list. It was produced by a Tempo production company and Endeavour content. Well, I wish they'd sped up the tempo and endeavoured to make better content. (laughs) 
thank you very much. Chemistry, did they want to put any of that between the two leads? Because they were bloody wooden and just both really unlikable. <laughs> um, just the humour was so bad. Like the joke, oh, I need to leave. I just want to say goodbye. Yeah, go ahead. Like just shit jokes like that. Just, just aren't funny. Just don't land. Uh, cinematography was boring. The joke looks like a horse. She looks like a horse. <laughs> shit names. Hayley Kales and Brian. Just... Tim Key, your band. Luke loves Tim Key. For I, now I've Dan, gone on a real rant on this. I'm Dan, like, God, I haven't let Dan, you speak at all. Dan's not wrong. I'm an enormous Tim Key fan. And I have to say, he had horrendous lines and he did as much as he could with those lines. He comes in a kilt, but he's not Scottish and his balls are itchy, which is not <laughs> great material to work with, but he did very well with it. Basically, to me, this seemed like the epitome of sort of like a BBC financed Christmas film. Not a Christmas film, but at Christmas time. You know, it just didn't seem yeah. enough whatsoever. And, oh, my God, the amount of exposition in the opening 15 minutes. We have the lines basically saying, oh, I'm an actor, by the way. Oh, I'm your brother. I would care for you. And then even worse one, which Sam Claflin, who's the lead in this film, who's genuinely bad, was talking about, why would you invite my ex-girlfriend? Like, so over the top to the camera. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who's doing so much... Like, just doing way too much all the time. Has he actually looked at a real person to speak before? It's what, 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 what? He's literally a budget Hugh Grant in this film. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Also, can I pick up on something else in this film? This is what I've noticed with rom-coms as well. The rom-coms used to be set around two attractive people getting together. A bit of tribulation, but they eventually get together in the film. And each person would usually have a funny sidekick best friend, usually a guy, and it became a girl quite commonly, and they would be the funny people. Now, society has realised that generally the most important thing to look for in a partner is someone that can make you laugh. Sense of humour is incredibly important in a relationship. Uh-huh. And so I think films have cottoned on to this and basically decided, oh, well, the leads need to be really funny who get together. And their banter, their, their lack of chemistry, which you mentioned earlier, it's, it's so stale. Like, there's no spots. Yeah. It's so Instagram-filtered what a real relationship is. It's just awful. I think if I can jump on that, if you say one of the great rom-coms is probably When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. They don't pander to that at all. Or maybe they're pre this kind of trend that you're saying. But he's not a nice guy. And they don't try and make the chemistry work. If anything, there is a lack of chemistry. But then you see that develop and grow. So you work with them. He's openly obnoxious. He tells this girl who he's friends with, that guys do not have friends other girls. That's basically the conceit of the film. But also in that film, to be fair, they just read Billy Crystal be Billy Crystal for like yeah. two hours, which I'm usually yeah, against. Exactly. In that film, he's good. It's a good film. Yeah. Should we make some predictions? No, I'll be sick. Is it not like Four Weddings and a Funeral, kind of that kind of vibe sort of trying to be? Are you trying to get another Hugh Grant impression in? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and I'm just a fool who's standing in the rain. <laughs> that wasn't bad. I predict that the bride's brother and the war journalist will get together. Yeah, I can't even remember who those characters are, but yes. Dan, stars! Give us a star review. One, but you get half a star purely for Tim Key. So it, really, I'm giving it 0.5. But just for you, I'll give it one. I might give it two stars. Do you think also, Tim Key's not that well known. People listening to this probably don't know who he is. And we spent half the time talking about him in this film. You will, they will know who Tim Key is. They just might not know who Tim Key is, if you know what I mean. They'll recognise him. Put a face to a name. Mm. Face to a name. I bet people are wishing they could do that with me. Not you, you've got a face for radio. Yeah, what do you reckon they think they look like? I think they think I'm a chiselled Adonis and you're a fat 
pig boy. Yeah, probably. They probably, probably think we're two losers sat in a bedroom. Dream. The next film is The Great Escape. Dan, take away the premise. This epic adventure centres on an audacious plan by Allied soldiers to stage a massive breakout from an ostensibly escape-proof German prison camp. Listeners, I really struggled with that word, and I'm not going to repeat it. Ostensibly. Ostensibly. I can say it. I know what it means. Ostensibly. Wow, sorry. You broke your promise there not to say that word in about 0.4 seconds. (laughs) Starring Steve McQueen. 1963, it's two hours and 52 minutes. And you thought this podcast was long. Mine. Yeah. So, The Great Escape, what we already know about this film, most people, is that, obviously, that iconic music, Steve McQueen on his bicycle, and then dropping the... Bicycle? (laughs) No wonder it took him so long (laughs) to get out of there. Penny farthing. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, dropping sand through the trousers. I mean, basically, I've got all that from Simpsons. Half of my education was The Simpsons. It says a lot. <laughs> also, I tell you what, you could soak late for the cinemas in those times. The opening credits, bear in mind we only watched 15 minutes of this, these films, was about, what, two minutes? Yeah, it was two minutes, 15 seconds, I counted. Because I originally put old school, no-nonsense opening. And then, after I wrote that, the opening continued to go on and on and on and on. It's so weird. And also, it's, it's the kind of film where afterwards you need to go for an eye test just because it looks so blurry when compared to obviously our new swank yeah. filmic experience. It, 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 it's um, the one thing I noticed, and it's, it's, it's that golden age of cinema kind of vibe, but it's um, all the actors have got glossy hairdos. Like they're meant to be in a prison camp and they've all got blow dries. Yeah. This guy came out and he had immaculate hair. I thought, what was he doing in the truck to kill time? Oh, Hank, you must come over here and do my hair. <laughs> and I mean, I know it's that golden age of cinema it comes from, doesn't it? Or maybe the tail end of the golden age of cinema. But it's all got that kind of goldish, reddy, yellow, orange kind of hue. Do you know what I mean? The whole yeah. thing, it's kind of... Like someone's just kicked up a bunch of clay before they start, and someone screams action. 100%. Um, also, it's meant to be set in a prison camp, but it seems like it's the Daily Mail's perception of prison. You know what they have us believe? Like they're all having two for Tuesdays from Domino's and they're playing FIFA. And it, I mean, it's, it's that whole kind of uh, gentlemanly thing, isn't it? And they're really playing on that because it is the 60s. So there's a big like duty theme. Like I, I get all that. There's a bit where there's going, you will do gardening. The German officer says, you will do gardening and we will give you tools. But we will trust you with the tools. Like what? These are prisoners of war. And you've just literally spent 10 minutes telling us how many have tried to escape. You have tried to escape 17 times. And now I will give you a small spade to dig. <laughs> not escape. I mean, I know we're picking holes in it, and I know it's the 60s when, you know, cinema was spectacle, so that's why it's three hours. You go, you watch it, and you sort of forget it's escapism. But, I mean, come on, just some of it. It's a bit stupid. Obviously, the Germans who are meant to be so strict on these prisoners. It was basically like super Nazi nanny, because all they would do is like, oh, would you stop that, please? Or I thought she was going to bring out the notice step at one stage. Actually, well, yeah, there was a car, wasn't there? There was a car with the keys left in the ignition, practically, just <laughs> hanging around as these guys arrived. And the guy's looking to steal it, and the guy, oh, what are you doing? Get away from my car. He was practically winking at them whilst he was filling up the petrol tank. It was just, this was mental. But I actually put, it's a film of individuals, not an ensemble at the beginning. Sorry, are we going to do a proper review now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just my closing line, really. You know, everybody, you've got Steve McQueen, you know, the American film star. 
oh my God, let me throw my baseball. You've got this guy with his hair. Everybody's doing their own thing. And I know that's a little bit that they all come together, that their characters are doing their own thing, but it felt like the actors themselves were all looking for their slice of pie. Yeah, you're so right. Back, back in the old days. A big cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, those long nights in prison. Anyway, yeah, it's back, back in those... You can, old... imagine the, you can imagine the German officer watching in. What do we have here? Oh, you're not the boys. That's not how we do it. You're making a mess. Put the ground sheets down. <laughs> Bit of research for our long, younger listeners. Go and find out what a cream pie is. Whilst you're at it, search blue waffle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically what I was going to say, in those days, isn't it weird how all the movie stars were like 50 years of age? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Steve McQueen does look about 80. He does, he's proper vintage. Yeah. Older, older gentleman. Uh, and also, just quickly, I think you kind of touched on it as well. It seems like films of oh, this... The cream pie thing. <laughs> I honestly think sometimes I could get really toned just from laughing so much my stomach moves that much. All right. <laughs> this is the kind of film you want to watch after you've had a roast, Sunday roast. <laughs> Sit down and just kind of doze off. But it's a bit too early for you to actually go to bed, but you can put film four on and doze off and no one will mind. All right, Dan, stars! Um, I mean, we didn't really watch enough of it, but it's so, I mean, that opening is, what, two? But, I mean, I'm going to give it the whole film two and a half, three, probably, because the music's great and, and I kind of know where it goes. You know, everybody knows The Great Escape. I've seen Chicken Run, do you know what I mean? I literally thought the same thing. Like when I was going on, I just thought how much I'd rather be watching Chicken Room. Me and you are a bit like Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy. Mr. Tweedy. No, I told you that it was organised. You're like the colonel. Ready when you are, Fowler. Behind you all the way. I can't fly a plane. I'm a chicken. Best line in film. I, I smell a feature. <laughs> The thing is, it had a charm to it. We kind of just slated it, but it did have a charm. Yeah. If they'd forced that movie down from three hours to an hour and a half, a lot of the guff would have been cut out. They're filling three hours. So to fill three hours, you kind of let them off a little bit. You mean to tell me they wouldn't have included two minutes and 15 seconds of opening titles? No, I think that probably would have stayed, but the rest of it would have gone. I think I'll give it two and a half. Okay. Three? Yeah. What are you saying, boy? What are you saying? We can talk about Willis. Before we move on to the next film, Luke, I think it's time for... Confessions. Forgive me, father, for I have sinned. Come in. Who is it, my boy? Who has come to confess their sins before God? Hello, father. It is me, Luke Coddy. Hello, Luke Coddy. And tell me, Luke, how many days has it been since your last confession? It's been almost a year since my last confession, Father. What is it you have come to confess today? Well, Father, it's with a heavy heart that I say I've not been keeping up to date with my war films. Your war films? Ah, I believe it is in the New Testament where we have a chapter on war films. The good Lord Roger Ebert says, War, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. I've come up with three films that I've failed to watch that in the eyes of many people are classics of the war genre. 
Then, my son, you're in the God's house now. Tell us. Tell us these films. I'm still yet to see Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. <gasps> a fantastic film, my boy. Praising the good deeds of our brave soldiers in the Great Second War. I also have not yet seen 1917 by Terrible, my son, from the war before that. You must see this, my boy. Come, tell me, what is your final film? I, I'm sorry, Father, but I feel a bit too trepidatious even to mention this film. I told you, you're in God's house. Please, tell me. It's Apocalypse Now, Francis. <gasps> My word, this is a grievous sin, but I feel like it is within my power to absolve you of one of these films, and so I absolve you for not watching Apocalypse Now, provided you see it before your next confession. As for the other two, they are more modern, so I will give you more leniency. But Apocalypse Now, well, you really must watch it now, or risk the mighty Apocalypse. Oh, thank you so much, Father. Tell me, please, how good is Francis Ford Coppola's direction? Well, if I'm honest, Luke, it's quite a hard fucking watch. <laughs> Confessions. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. All right. Final film is in the wild card category. So, uh, fighting with my family, Luke. This came out in 2019. Its premise is, raised in a feisty English wrestling family, Scrappy Soraya must train hard and pay her dues to get her big break as a pro wrestler in WWE. You really wanted to watch this. I didn't, because I never watched wrestling as a boy. I was never into it, but I think you were. Oh yeah, you were just into uh, snakes, weren't you? No, not, not snakes, just a snake, the uh, Black Mamba. <laughs> so I, I was the kind of kid that was actually into WWE. I did like it. I don't know who comes out better in those statements, really. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of us has given up our obsession now. That's true. That's true. All right, so I did. But I can't to... have corn because it makes me fun. <laughs> oh, I love chocolate, but I can't eat it because then I'll get fat. But it's so good. But what I liked about this film, which uh, some of the other films so far have struggled with, was it managed to make uh, something which is not cinematic seem cinematic in the sense that we were watching amateur dramatics in a working man's club in Norwich, and it looked great. So I initially put it was bizarre because, I mean, I'm completely new to this and like, the whole wrestling thing, it doesn't interest me at all. But it was so fun. The opening was brilliant. I had this big kind of grin on my face. It felt really British, really kind of homegrown, you know, brilliant. I, I really like this film. Uh, it was completely gone, but I'd love to watch this. Uh, we've also got something to admit, listeners. Um, this is the first film of our reign so far where we listened to more than 15 minutes. The 15 minute point yeah. came at a very pivotal scene where they were receiving important phone call from the WWE. So we stayed on until 17 minutes, which pretty much shows you the way we felt about this film. It starts really strong. The family is tight-knit. The dad is played by Nick Frost. The mum's played by Cersei. What's she called? Lena Headley. 
Went ahead. And I didn't recognise her. She wacky hairdo, different voice. I mean, I know she's an actress. No, I'm not stupid. That stayed in the edit. Um, <laughs> um, but no, you're right. The family had such a nice dynamic. They were really good. I kept comparing it to Love Wedding with Pete. And in Love Wedding with Pete, you can see that the whole script and the jokes were so laboured. And you can just imagine the screenwriters sat down there sweating over these lines. If you put Nick Frost in front of the camera and you give him a medium with good script, he's going to deliver. And this one was way above that as well. So he was on fire. Oh, yeah. And also what I really quite liked as well is it addressed the elephant in the room. So the point is when people say wrestling, if you're over the age of 12, you'd go, oh, well, it's fake, isn't it? And it's a bit over the top and flamboyant and it's a bit for young kids. But it addressed that really early on by having the family of one of the leads girlfriend talk about wrestling in sort of a negative context which already puts you in the corner of the wrestlers because it's not nice to have people talking bad about them so if that's already done you're cleverly done isn't it extremely so you're already on those side but it also managed to address those issues they say it's not fake it's staged if it's fake why would i have broken half the bones in my body which point was a really nice way of putting it yeah and then soraya mentions the point that well how do you dislike wrestling if you actually haven't really given it a go and I quite like the sentiment of that film. And I feel as though we're going to be fighting it out over who's watching this. Um, I just can't stress how much I kind of chuckled at this film compared to the other ones, which, I mean, The Great Escape, not really, but, you know, the, how canned the humour was in the first one. This was just such light relief. And, I mean, another reason, I think, partly, we had this quite funny story, um, but it had one of our favourite lines from film to lead it into, which is uh, Lena Headley and... Um, Nick Frost are talking about how they met and they said it's a tale as old as time and of course that is my one of my favourite lines from a movie I think maybe even yours too Luke is that right? Uh, he's obviously if you've not cottoned on ladies and gentlemen he's hinting at Beauty and the Beast of course which is a genuine five star film we're talking about the original Fantastic. obviously yeah not the new one that was fine um, not good. Are, you, are you trying to angle for another animation sing-song conclusion to the uh, Sure. I, I could be. I could be. In a word, I, I, I think it was charming. Is that fair? It was a really charming film. Very nice. Feel good. Yeah. Stars! Stars! stars. I, I it's extremely promising start. And for that, I'll give it a four. Yeah, I'd jump in on you with that. It's quite nice seeing a good film that we actually really like. We probably should try that, shouldn't we? Yeah. Do Instead that. of recommending shit films that people shouldn't watch, what's the point in listening? <laughs> Don't give it away now, Dan. So... Uh, what film do you want to watch this week? Well, fighting with my family. Let's flip a coin for it. Got a coin here. Like, what do you want? Heads. Nah, it's tails. Okay, so I've got that one then. Dan, you're stuck with. What, are you going to commit three hours to the Great Escape? Are you going to watch uh, Love Wedding Vomit or whatever it's called? <laughs> Love Wedding Vomit, probably. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to say The Great Escape and then. You're actually going to watch that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan, I think we're going to let you do it. Brilliant. Thanks for listening, everybody. This week, taking us out is Andrew Lansbury and Beauty and the Beast. Dan, take it away. Just a little change. Small to say the least. Both a little scared. Neither one prepared. Beauty and the Beast. Tyler's oldest time, 
song as old as rhyme. Beauty and the beast. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Good night, love. You've been listening to a The Rest Is Noise production. For sales and advertising, please email therestisnoise.uk at gmail.com. For more episodes and to keep up to date, follow The Rest Is Noise on Twitter.